Today I'm talking to Levy Mayer of Compass Miami in Coconut Grove. Levy is known for closing deals everyone else says can't be done. To bring this home for you, if you remember the movie War Dogs, that's right, the one about the 20-somethings that won a $300 million arms deal, Levy was their general manager. Today we talk about that experience, what he learned, and the problem-solving skills that will close any deal. Welcome to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. I created this podcast because over the years that I've been an agent from struggling to successful, I found that the one thing, the one foundation that created the mindset, knowledge, and ability to break through to new levels was the camaraderie and sharing of ideas from other generous and successful agents. Those experiences catapulted my career. They gave me the inspiration and idea to further develop those friendships and share what they have had to share with me to make not only more successful careers for each of us, but a stronger community and better respect for our profession at large. All right, everybody, it's the Jerry Metcalf podcast where top real estate agents tell how they do it. And today we have Levy Meyer in Compass Miami, with Compass Miami, and focused in the Coconut Grove community. Levy, by the way, I just have to put it in, y'all. I'm sure I said it in the intro before this intro, but he was formerly an arms dealer, but we're going to get around to that. Not yet. We're going to talk about a little bit about his career first, but that makes it all interesting, even more interesting. But Levy, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. It's really it's really a pleasure to be on the show. I'm a big fan. I've been watching and uh, it's, I'm honored to be among among all the fantastic agents and leaders like Leonard and John Zimmerman. And I mean, you had I mean Chris Voss on the show. So it's great to be here. Uh, yes. as, as Ivan Kwan said in our last podcast, uh, was it a uh, uh, long time listener, first time call? Oh, I love it. I love it. Ivan is clever. So I've, I've been on his show and he's been on my show. Um, so awesome to have you. So tell us, first of all, let's just talk about what got you into the real estate business in the first place. So, you know, I, I actually have a, a long family history in real estate. My, my grandfather was a real estate appraiser and my uncle took over the business after him and they were 30 years in it. My, he used to sneak me out of school when I was a kid to take me on appraisals down in Homestead and get me, uh, get me oh, smoothies. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's actually not how I really got into, into real estate. Uh, getting into real estate actually goes back to when I was an arms dealer. And I, as I got out of arms dealing, uh, it was a long story, which we'll get into if you'd like. But, uh, but, will. Uh, but the, uh, the, my, my attorney in the end of the arms things uh, had, said, had said, why don't you go give real estate a try? It's a better, more wholesome business. And I said, you know what? You're probably right. Uh, and that was in 2008, though. And then you and tried real estate. Like, Everybody right. was running from real estate. The, you know, the market was in 2008. Was, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's when I had looked at real estate. I kind of looked the other direction. I went and did some other stuff for a few years. And then uh, what happened was I was doing I was running a moving company. Well, like the sales and customer service for one. And I did I did a move one day. I went to this house to do an estimate for them. And I'm looking at this house and the move, the move was was an enormously expensive move. It was almost thirty thousand dollars to just move them across country. And I said, $30,000 is a lot of money. Like, how much is this house worth? How much is this furniture worth? Yeah. And the agent who was there, he tells me his 
more or less five million bucks. And uh, and I said, how much are you making on that? Because I was I was very excited. I was going to make like four like four or five thousand bucks on that move. And then he right. tells me how much he's making selling that house. And I said, I am on the wrong side of this transaction. Wow. Interesting. So that happened. And then from then to having your license and signing up with a real estate office, how long did that take and what, what unfolded and how did your first deal happen? Uh, so, you know, the, 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 the barrier entry in Miami is not particularly that high as I'm sure it's not. It's in not most, really anywhere. Most cities, right. In most neighborhoods in, in, uh, in most cities in the country. But, um, but, you know, I got in uh, really starting from scratch. I didn't have very much of a network. Um, you know, I started very, very grassroots. Uh, you know, I, I picked a farm area and I would send these, these cheap letters and was just, it cost me the, the, a stamp and a postcard, a stamp and an well, you envelope. You were clearly not listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, but if it, at least <laughs> um, it worked. I was sending letters, very, very grassroots. We, uh, that's, I actually, that is actually awesome. Yeah. Um, but we, uh, I focused on a neighborhood in the Gable, in Coral Gables, uh, the Gables Waterway that lets in from the Biscayne Bay to uh, to the Biltmore Hotel, and it runs through the golf course. And all those little houses along that canal, um, you know, were at the time a million and a half plus. Now you can, you're lucky to get on under two two plus million, and many of them are three, four, and seven million. Yeah. Um, and I would kayak the waterway with a buddy of mine who lived there. Um, and I would take I would take my iPhone and take photos and make notes of the houses that looked like they were falling apart. That's and brilliant. And then we would just we'd door knock on them, send them letters until until we cracked we cracked one, finally got a good sale. Um, and in the in the in the meantime, I was doing a lot of rentals uh, that I would do on. Uh, at the time, we were able to post them on Craigslist without permission. We would just take them and resyndicate them. Uh, and I would hire guys in like India and Pakistan on online to just yeah. post. All the all the rentals in Miami on Craigslist for me, and I just wait for the phone to ring and I'd run Serial around. Serial entrepreneur. That's where yeah. you, that's what you are. <laughs> yeah. Which that's what real estate agents usually are in some form or fashion, or we're at least entrepreneurs. So you were in several other industries. You decided to get your real estate license, and I love your approach because you just went directly to you. You went directly for the deal. A lot of people try to go after the people and get hired. You went after the deal. You went after. Okay, there are, people, there are properties that need to be rented. Let's get myself in front of being the, getting them rented and getting the information out so they can be rented. And you did deals that way. Let's go learn the market. So you go down, you're kayaking and studying all the houses. You're learning the market. You're learning the situation. You're figuring out who might sell where. And then you, pick, you get yourself into kind of a high end, over $1 million market. I mean, that's high end in Atlanta. And then um, and it's probably a pretty decent house in Miami, too. Um, but what, what I love about that is that you're going after the deal by finding information and you're going after the deal because I think a lot of people forget when the book, um, I quote this book a lot, but it is, um, oh, now I'm trying to blank, David and Goliath, where, you know, the Goliath, everybody thinks is the big scary monster that can't be overcome. And David is just like this little guy and he happens to have God on his side and, and, and not that he didn't, but he kills Goliath, but everybody forgets that Goliath looks big and scary, but Goliath can't see very well because in that day, people of that size, I can't remember that. Do you remember the name of the disease, Isaac? But anyway, there were all of these limitations he had despite how he was perceived. So as a newer agent, you had time, you were young, you were kayaking, you had buddies, you had resources. A lot of kids, you know, are younger, newer agents now have technology. We have, you know, listen to Gary Vaynerchuk. He'll tell you all day long about all the advantages we have with that. 
and you tap into the market and go in, you go in that way, but you were kind of like the David and a lot of, a lot of, you know, I've been doing agent real estate for a long time, but I look back and I think, I remember I did a lot of what you did and people were like, how does she do it? Look, how does she just come in here? She's not even from Atlanta. She's getting all of her listings because I was the David and they were Goliath. Other agents, you know, the agents get big. They only have so much time. They only have so many resources or they're having a hard time utilizing all the resources to focus them the way you can just focus in and hone in and get some big deals and your overhead's not high. So you're making no, a lot of money. No. But we get scrappy. You got to get scrappy when you don't have when you don't have much to work with. You got to yeah. roll up your sleeves. And I went out. on a long tangent. Sorry, guys, but I really wanted to drive that home for everybody. And I will interview Levy, not myself. Maybe. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. I love. To hear um, it. So yeah, but I just wanted to really drive that home for everybody about what you did. So you did that, and I think you've come into this business and really come in and done a lot of deals that other people have said were impossible. Whereas a $7 million lot that you've recently sold or a $100,000 deal that you recently sold that you went, you called 15 lenders and got actually, I think rejections four times, three times and the fourth one worked. But we, we interviewed about 15 agents uh, to uh, 15 different uh, lenders to try to get this deal done. And they were, I was just getting no, no, can't do it. The building has a, a pending lawsuit. The, there's too many, the tenant to owner ratio is too, is too high. You know, the, the investor lives out of the country and she's not really, you know, just knows, 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 knows. And I'm like, there's just no way that this is not a deal that can be underwritten. And we just called the right ones until, until we found somebody that said, they'll get it done. There's, there's a solution. I think it's at the end of that problem, it's, um, and, and for me, that was $190,000 condo in South Beach, which by the way, you can buy a, a condo in South Beach facing the Biscayne Bay with the downtown skyline, um, like watching that Miami Vice sunset for $190,000. Um, it's it's not a lot of money, but but it made this client really, really happy. It made the agent at Compass New York who referred it to me very happy. Um, and and to me, it's more about getting the win and getting getting that problem solved than, than about the size of the deal. But of course, we all like well, exactly. I wish it was 19 million, but you know. Well, but it's exactly deals. So we had a recent interview. Was that last week or what was recent? But when we released this, it will be a month or two ago. But we had Steve Hall, but the Steve Hall interview. So Steve Hall interviewed. He did a $3,000 lease that turned into a $5 million referral that turned into a $14 million deal that turned into a $30 million deal because he did a $3,000 lease, which is a lot smaller, maybe not as difficult. But they are usually a little more difficult. Maybe not as difficult as your hundred thousand dollar deal. But I think that really brings that well, home. There's, there's, you know, there's something, there's something actually to that because I watched that Steve Hall interview, and it's, yeah, it, it reminded me that the reality is that there, there are no set rules in this game. You know, there's guidelines, but everybody does a little differently because people will tell you time and time again, focus on what you're good at, don't waste your time on small stuff, don't do the rentals, just pass them off to someone else. You know, but then you hear stories like Steve's where he went and did a three thousand dollar rental. It wasn't something. It's something that many other people would have said, "Hey, don't waste your time with that. Your time is better spent on three million dollar deals. Go after the big ones." But he did do it, and then that turned into a five million dollar deal, which turned into a fourteen million dollar deal. So, and then there you know, was a thirty million. Do you, do you not not do the rentals, or <laughs> right. do you go and do them so that can take and turn to something bigger? And you know, there really isn't a rule book. I think you just have to go about it and, and figure it out for yourself and say, yeah. how can I leverage each interaction or each deal into something bigger? Well said, exactly. And I think you just got to look at each deal. Like some deals I do just to learn. Like, obviously I like to get paid too. And I usually do, but, <laughs> but it's, it's also like, I'm going to learn from this and doing deals to learn and also doing deals 
you know, there's learning and then there's strategy and then there's helping out clients. And, you know, as you get more experienced, you pick and choose, but then you take deals like that as you get be more experienced agent and you give them to someone that you're mentoring or someone on your team to stay connected to the deal, but also help pay it forward and give them experience. But yeah, exactly. You said it probably better than I did. But I think, yeah, you, you know, you, and you learn, you have to learn something from everything that you do, whether it's a $3,000 rental or otherwise. And, you know, we get, we try, I try to get as creative as possible when, it, when the, when the, when a situation is very difficult, we have a listing now that's difficult to sell. I just brought the seller an offer <laughs> that is a, it's a trade deal. He says, Hey, give, give this guy your house and he'll give you a much more valuable piece of land at plus $3 million. <laughs> you know, So we'll give yeah. you the house plus 3 million for this land over here. And, and, and you just go through it. Oh, yeah, and, and what, so, and, and actually when I was, I've been, you know, I've been doing it. I don't like to admit, I think it's 16 years. I want to say 15, but I do think it's 16. Like, I think it's officially yeah. like 16. In Miami, in Miami we'd call that your, your quinceañera year. Can <laughs> you can say what? Your quinceañera year. <laughs> oh, that's even worse. So anyway, but, but I remember I used to do a lot of trade, a lot of trade deals. Um, and those were always interesting, but that's how you make stuff happen. Um, so let's do go back now, because I think a lot of your tenacity and understanding of getting through these tough deals comes a little bit from your history. So let's go way back and talk about you were an arms dealer, but before you were, I kind of want to go through like the arms dealer and how, like kind of give us the story. Where did let me, let me go. We'll go, we'll go even, we'll go way back. Okay, um, so, awesome. So, so I think because a lot of my, uh, tenacity or sort of, sort of, uh, my drive, uh, I, I even call it my, I mean, just my hustle. It's, I'm, I'm a scrappy guy. And uh, right. that's probably one of my best attributes is that I'm, I'm scrappy. I'm a go-getter and like, and I'm going to work harder and fight harder than most people will. And, uh, a, a lot of that actually stems from being from a very large family. I'm one of 10 children. Um, and so we grew up in a very uh, Orthodox Jewish household in Miami beach. Uh, my parents had 10 children, no twins, all individual <laughs> children. Wow. And, um, and, and, you know, in my house, if, if you didn't, if you didn't, if you didn't get home on time, you didn't get dinner, <laughs> you, know, like the, you know, you had to fight just to get, just to get fed. Uh, we had to make alliances. I had to make an alliance. I, I told my sister, I'll do this for you. If you put away food for me. And Love it. You're already deal making. So yeah. we were deal making at that age. It's um, awesome. But yeah, you know, it, it came from, from, you learn a lot in, in, in being in a very huge family and you do have to be scrappy to get through and survive. And, um, and so that, that sort of led me, uh, into into my career where uh at a, as an orthodox jewish family uh, i went to a very orthodox jewish school you pull that shut for me thank you <laughs> um so i went to a very orthodox jewish school and the the trajectory for me was was go to school learn a lot become a rabbi and you know and then become a leader and, and rabbi in your community somewhere um wow. and when i decided that really wasn't for me uh i left what would have been that, that that high school or that rabbinical college at the age of 15. Wow. So okay. At, yeah, what did 15, your parents think about that? Um, well, uh, my parents had just split up actually. Um, okay. there was a, there was a divorce at, after, after 10 kids. And, uh, and you know, I wasn't really talking to my father so much at the time, but my mother was not particularly happy, but my mother had a very save the ones you can mentality at that time. There were 10, was, there was, right? There's a lot of kids who was really focused on the younger ones and the teenagers. We had a little bit of carte blanche to run around and do what we wanted to. So I left school. I went and got a job. Um, I went to work 
for a guy named Stuart Halskenner, who was a former Wall Street guy that started a very, very, very entre big entrepreneur. He started his own uh, uniform manufacturing company, uh, Scrubs, for like nurses. The, the like the TV the show. Anyway, yeah, well, I, no, I yeah, can yeah, resist. I know it's Scrubs or I'm just... Oh, yeah, yeah, we were selling yeah. ones with like the hearts and the Scooby-Doo's and the stars and balloons and the Mickey Mouse. Oh, <laughs> no. love it. Yeah. Uh, and so he would he would manufacture and then distribute them to these nurses uniform stores all around the country. And at the time, he had a guy flying around the country with a, with a couple suitcases full of scrubs and selling them in person. And then he gave me a phone, taught me how to work the sale, taught me how to work phone. And I mean, he would record me, listen to me. He'd walk behind me and hit me on the head when I seriously. Say, um, oh yeah, wow! Was, so this was like cold calling to sell scrubs. Uh, yeah, just uh, cold calling, outbound sales, selling nurses' uniforms. So packages. you got it. We got to pause, guys, on this. I'm not a big cold caller, but if you're good at cold calls, you're good at cold calls. What did you learn from your cold calling? Oh my gosh, I probably have at least ten thousand hours of cold call experience. Uh, you, you, you have. I mean, what you really learn from that is that behind that, you know, somewhere there's going to be a yes. And it might be a hundred no's before you get one, but it is all a numbers game and you have to stay headstrong. You have to be positive. You have to be able to take rejection, hang up the phone, reset, and go back into the next call with a smile because that might be your yes customer. Right. So, <coughs> wow. I can't even imagine. I mean, but what was your, well, like, but what was your, that, when he taught you how to do it, what did you learn? What did you learn about how to do a call and not to do a call? So I learned that you need, you need to be prepared for what it is that you're selling. You need to have all of your rebuttals down. And that sometimes just comes by making phone calls. You need to get right. what we call the marbles out of your mouth. You need to be able to, to have a response to any rejection. Um, and again, I, you know, you really learn that you need to be resilient because it's very hard to take that kind of rejection. It's not for everybody. Some people can't do an hour right. of outbound cold sell. Oh, cold I can't cold do it. I'm not, I'm not going to uh, do it. We would yeah. do it eight hours a day, 10 hours a day sometimes. But I do. I don't know. I full call now to bring up our book. Isaac, never split the difference. Chris Voss. Chris Voss. Because when you want to talk about rebuttaling, I hope I'm not sidetracking too much, but that guy like gets you in the frame of mind to have the right kind of conversation. Because my favorite quote by Chris Voss is, it's not a sin. Well, there's two. One is, no deal is better than a bad deal. But the other one is, it's not a sin to take it's, what does he say? It's not a sin to not get a deal. It's a sin to take a long time to not get a deal. <laughs> there you go. But it's about your point having these conversations where you get to the you get to the deal or you don't and you move on. I mean, maybe I'm sidetracking too much there, but it totally came to mind and no. seemed relevant. Um, it's a real back end. I yeah. mean, yeah, that's that's where I got my sales experience from yeah. at a very young age. And then I went on well, the tenacity trip. for this business. This business is a piece of cake, and this is only the beginning. So. You're selling scrubs, and then what happens? Um, I go on a trip to Israel with some of my buddies who were in high school at the time. I, I was not, uh, but uh, but all the high school kids were going on this uh, one, you know, this 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 trip to Israel called the March of the Living, where they take you for a week in Poland and then a week in Israel, sort of like a Holocaust uh, education and, and Israel history uh, wow. trip. Um, and so I went on this trip. And I just fell in love with Israel, but I felt like I had only seen it from a tour bus. You know, we spent so much time going from one place to the next. Yeah. So I came home. I came home, and I essentially quit my job. I gave him two weeks' notice. I got a round trip, open-ended ticket to Israel. Packed a bag. I kissed my mama. <laughs> um, she's like, I, "Okay, now what?" 
and I flew off to Israel. I mean, but again, at that time, I mean, I was 15, I was working, I had my own money. I'd pick up and go to New York for a weekend. And at 15 years old? Where were you all weekend? Wow. The whole weekend you were gone. We didn't have cell phones at that time. And uh, I was like, well, I went to New York. She's like, where? I was like, I went to New York. She would lose her mind. And I was like, well, I didn't ask you for money. I just, man, what are you so mad about? Oh God, that's so awesome. At that time, I guess it was it's awesome. Bigger. I don't know. It's not going to be awesome if my son ever does that. But. <laughs> I, I, I probably have it coming to me. I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old, and my daughter Charlotte is a firecracker. And uh, I know that my karma is coming for me. So. <laughs> All right. So you, you, so, but you flew to Israel to join the military in Israel. Is that right? Well, actually, I just flew to Israel just to go see okay. Israel. I, I went okay. with a backpack and a, and a ticket and okay. 300 bucks in my pocket. <laughs> and, uh, um, and, and I, I did a little bit of backpacking and staying in hostels for a while. Um, I settled down in the old city in uh, Irhatika. And and I long a very long story short, I had a bit of a, a fit of patriotism, I call it. And I decided to yeah. go to, 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 to join the Israeli army and sort of fight for my people and my my my, my my country and so on. Um, I didn't speak any Hebrew at the time, except what I call like taxicab Hebrew, you know, left, right, right straight. Yeah. Um, and, um, and it was quite an experience. I had How to long learn. were you in the army? What did you call it? Army, military? What would you? Yeah, it's the, it was the army. Okay. It's the army, it's the IDF. Um, okay. And so uh, I was, it was a 14 month program that I signed up for as a voluntary okay. American. So you have to become a citizen first. I became a temporary Israeli citizen. Then I joined the army. Okay. Um, which was an incredible experience. I learned to speak Hebrew. I learned a lot uh, from the army that maybe I didn't learn from high school or college because I didn't I didn't essentially finish high school. For example, school. what about life or about? Um, just a, a lot of it about. Uh, you know, to me, when I look at college and high school and I see what is it that most people learn, and unless you're a, a surgeon or a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant, you learn some very particular trade or skill set. Most people go to college, they assume all this debt, and what did they learn? What are they using from it? Right, uh, that, that's why, yeah. And the only thing that I can deduct from this is, is that most people are learning that uh, you, you got to work hard to get through it. And now, just, the medical, the doctor thing, they, let's keep them in school. They need to, yeah, learn. They need to <laughs> learn how to do that. But there's a lot of things like, yeah, but it, anyway, go ahead. I had well, to I do think, that. I think what people are learning, you know, is is getting through it. it it's hard work. It's it's not fun. You got to sit down. You got to commit. You have to make these, you know, do these. You have to write essays and you got to study. You got to read books. You got, so to so get you learn to discipline in school. So what did you <laughs> yeah, learn so in the military? Cool. So I think the discipline is what I got out of the military that I maybe didn't get in school. And I think that was a really great experience for me. Uh, I learned to speak Hebrew. I learned a lot about uh, guns and ammo and shit. And, so, and, and that brings us to how did you get out of the military? And is so, that when arms dealing came next? Arms dealing actually was a little bit later, but I came back. I came back from the military and um, I decided that I was going to go give college a crack and I got my GED. I went up to Tallahassee. I, I went to TCC for a few years. I had to do some remedial courses. And, uh, you know, I have I, I just I found that college really wasn't for me. Uh, maybe it's because I can't sit still for very long periods of time. Right. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Uh, but but I, I didn't I also didn't find anything that I wanted to do in college. I was looking at all those. and I didn't want to be a doctor. I didn't want to be a lawyer. So. So again, I left school early um, and I went back into sales. And at that point I had moved to New York and I got a job managing a call center. Well, I'd started just making cold calls and I worked my way up to a sale to a sales manager and eventually oversaw two offices for this company, Hass Advantage, which we sold credit cards 
that had an affinity rewards program. Uh, it was like it supported. So you had a charity. call center selling these credit cards. So yeah, we were we were doing outbound credit card sales, and okay. when we talk about hard sales. Selling nurses scrubs was a was a cakewalk compared to selling somebody on a credit card, which has great advantages. But when when you get them to say yes, and you have to ask them for their social security number, yeah, that's, that's not going ever very well when they don't know that's, you. That's hard work, um, but we did it, and we, right. we opened up a second office. Like you're the man of overcoming of the overcoming the impossible. Yeah. So you go from selling scrubs. I've already forgot. I've already lost track. To the IDF. To the IDF. That's right. Yes. Uh, to the IDF. The college. Then to college. And then to And now you're selling credit cards and asking people for their social security number on the phone. That's great. I'm kidding. I mean that everybody to drive home like the stuff this guy's like overcome and been through and no wonder you can make an impossible deal happen in real estate because that's easy. Okay. So. It's about reinventing yourself. You know, it's just the same game, different different, 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 uh, stadium, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm doing that. And then a buddy of mine in Miami, uh, starts working for a guy who was doing government contracting. He was doing uh, defense contracting. So he was bidding on, uh, bidding on large, large scale government, uh, bids. Uh, you know, sometimes it was, uh, helmets and riot gear. Sometimes it was arms and ammunition. Uh, but he was, he was, they were getting kind of big and they had just landed, a $298 million contract to sell to, to sell arms and ammunition to the U.S. Department of Defense in Iraq and Afghanistan. And wow. um, it was it was way bigger than him. And so he kind of put out the call like we need young, scrappy go getters, get them in here. And so my buddy calls me and says, hey, you got to you got to come back down to Miami and come work for this guy. Like there's huge opportunity here. The money is flowing in. We need guys like you to come in and just make shit happen. OK, uh, what's the movie? What's what's the movie? Um, so, yeah, that that's that's the movie. Yeah. What What's the movie? Oh, man, what's the movie? I forget what they call if it. That, it was, was that not you? That well, it was not me, but I worked. I worked with those guys. Yeah, what is the name? I of was going to say that's Hill. totally the movie. The dudes, uh, Everybody, to we're going to tag that movie. <laughs> As is going to find it and comment on the video and make sure we tag it because that's the movie. Okay. What is it? Oh, I forget what the name of the movie is. They used to. It was the book was called Arms and the Dudes. And the and the oh, War Dogs. War Dogs. War Dogs was the name of the movie. Yes, War Dogs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, so you were part of you were part of the War Dogs. I was part of the War Dogs. So uh, when at the time, I mean, we didn't really have very formal titles, but at the time uh, uh, that the New York Times wrote that article, I guess they had called me the general manager, or maybe at some point somebody called the me general, general manager of the War Dogs. <laughs> um, yeah. So I took that job. I came down. It was not uh, it was not as glamorous in the beginning as I had hoped for. I was actually making a lot less money at the beginning. But my friend encouraged me. He's like, don't worry about how much you're going to make more later. You just just get in here and make yourself indispensable. And right. so we did, uh, and, OK, and stop right there. Don't lose your train of thought, but get in there and make yourself indispensable. That's what you do in a real estate deal, too, by the way. Just absolutely. like like get in there because as a realtor, I'm going to be careful not to comment on other industries that are in our industry, but competing or, 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 or trying to leverage agents out of the industry. But they forget we're the ones who are actually indispensable. We've just got to get in there and know our value and make ourselves. And we are indispensable when we're doing a good job and doing what we're here to do. If, you, if you're if you doing it right, yeah. But keep yeah, going. So you're in the arms dealing. 
You're in the arms dealing. Dude, you're not so, making money now. Get in there, make yourself indispensable and and uh, and we just, you know, and that's exactly what we did. We had a lot of work to do. Uh, we were way in over our heads. I mean, three hundred million dollar contracts are not supposed to be given to twenty something year old kids. Yeah, I saw the movie. Miami Beach. Okay. <laughs> um, right. And it wasn't the movie. It's very glamorous, super Hollywood. I don't know. Yeah. I wasn't. I was. I wasn't one. I wasn't into me on those guys. But keep going. none of that stuff. None of that stuff. Happened. Even that version wasn't glamorous to me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, nobody was being chased through triangles of death in, you know, in Iraq. We, oh, everything sh- don't was- t- edit that out, Isaac. Let them think they were. Don't edit that out. <laughs> right, we'll edit it out. Right. Um, but the, the movie, he won't the movie edit it out, by the way. In reality, in reality, what it took to get stuff done was long hours, hard work. I mean, we were working in, in, in multiple time zones. We were dealing in 13 different countries at any given time. Um, I'd have to be here in the U.S. to manage the office and run our business. And then I'd have to be awake to call generals in Iraq, you know, in the middle of the night. Uh, and then we'd have right. to call uh, Turkey and, and uh, <laughs> Turkey and Kazakhstan and the Czech Republic to source ammunition and get overflight permissions for planes. Things I didn't even know what they were when we started overflight permissions. Wow. <laughs> Um, but it took it took a lot of hard work, long yeah. hours. It was exhausting stuff. Um, but but it was always about solving problems. You know, anywhere we went, we ran into problems. We were sending a container yeah. to, to Iraq, and we and we we had sent we had we had to like sent all the ammunition. Okay, so to slow Jackson. down for a minute. <laughs> slow down. Don't lose your story. But I want to say something to like also resonate for everybody. Make yourself indispensable. Number one. Number two. It is all. Arms dealing real estate, same thing. Real estate's just more wholesome, so people think. No, I'm kidding. But number two, it's all about solving problems. Like so many people think we're getting in this, we're just gonna get a job, or we're just gonna sell a house, put a sign in the yard and sell. And everybody knows that's not what we do. And the people who make it, the five percent of people who make it, and the you know, the one percent of those five percent of people, which is like a point oh oh something anyway, that make it to the top are the people that are indispensable. Number one, and number two. They go in there and they face face things like what you're talking about. Like in real estate, we're dealing with usually most of a you know six figure, but very often seven plus figure transactions, you know multi million dollar transactions. You're gonna have problems in your job because you're doing real estate transactions all the time, and you're around people doing them all the time. Your clients, as smart and and wealthy as they may be, aren't. So guess what? You are. You are the problem solver. I gotta say that, do not lose your train of thought, but I wanna drive that home as to why we're we're interviewing you on this, besides the fact that it's absolutely fascinating, but keep going. Um, thank you, I've already lost my train of thought, it's over. Oh, no, I got it, you got it back. Okay, good. I got it back. Okay, good. Um, but yes, it's about, it was always about, a lot about problems. But you were gonna tell us one of your stories about a huge problem that you guys solved and what you figured out. So, so I mean, this wasn't even the, the hugest of problems, but you know, we sent, we sent all this stuff to, to to Jacksonville. First of all, we had we had to ship nine million rounds of, of nine millimeter to Iraq, and mm-hmm. at the time at the time there was a shortage of ammunition. There were police departments on back order. Nobody could get the stuff, so we called and asked permission to send repackaged ammunition, where we take the old the old the old cartridge and re, you know they, we refill them, and they said yes in in this, under the circumstances. And so then we had to call all of these <laughs> we had to call all these shooting ranges. In, in any place that we could find them and ask them if you know if we could buy buy their uh, their the brass from them because they all they, they they sweep it up off the floor and put them into big bags and sell them and we had to ship all that stuff to Atlanta 
well, outside of Atlanta, a little place called uh, Villa Rica, Georgia. That's Villa Rica, <laughs> because that's my part of the country. <laughs> yeah. yes. I'm from South Georgia. That's South so Georgia. I found myself. Yeah. Uh, I found myself in Villa Rica, Georgia. You were in Villa Rica, and they would have told you that if you were paying attention. Anyway, I'm just being so bad. Keep going. Villa Rica. I say things. It's funny. But yeah, I find myself over there. I mean, we were on a deadline. The 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 container had to was leaving the next day from Jacksonville. They were still pumping out ammunition or running 24 hours around the clock. I flew into Villa Rica, Georgia. Villa Rica. And I'm, anyway. and I'm buying I'm buying pizzas and Coca-Cola for all the factory workers that are there pumping these ammunition, just like making sure they're working and not stopping for food breaks. Here you go. Here's pizza. Um, helping them load up this container that I flew out to Jacksonville and met the guy in, in Jacksonville only to get there and find that 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 the, the head of the cruise of the of the port over there wouldn't allow our shipment to go because. Uh, they have a rule that you can't put ammunition and guns on the same ship. Um, so, you know, and that's a great rule. Fine. I'm, I was <laughs> saying, that I'm makes all sense. for it. Right. I'm all for it. Yeah, except but you just didn't except know that. what we were sending was 50 cal rifles and nine millimeter ammunition. You they can't don't put, go together. They don't make that. Those two go together. You, you, you're safer throwing the ammunition. There's the beauty of bureaucracy right there, right? So, so it took a lot. I mean, I had to. I went out and bought really fancy bottles of booze to like get an to, to, to like pay somebody off to get an appointment with the guy so that I could sit him in a room and show him like this. I get it, but you need to make an exception for us. Um, and you know, wow. it, it, took, it took a lot. It took a lot of of you, you got to cut through all the nose and find a way to. I am dealing it. with maybe two or three deals right now that that sounds exactly like. There's just no ammunition, but it's the same kind of stuff. It is the same exact stuff. Oh my gosh, I love it. So, um, tell us more. What else do we need to know? You you go so through that all. Was, that was, I mean, that was it. That was a very short-lived, uh, glamorous lifestyle. And how long? Yeah, it sounds like it. No sleep. That wasn't. That was less than a year. Um, I mean, we you know we were making at that time. I was twenty something, and we were making plenty of money with only with only more money in sight. I mean, there was right. there was millions to be made by the end of that two-year contract. But. Um, you know, if you've seen the movie, if you've seen the movie, you know that in the end of that, it did not end very well for everybody involved. Um, there were some corners cut and some and some things done that were yeah. not. And uh, and and it it ended in uh, in 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 federal agents uh, storming into our offices and taking our computers and file cabinets away. Wow! Yeah. Uh, there, were, there were federal indictments handed out. I was never indicted uh, in that, but. Uh, but you know, when I, it was definitely an eye opener when I when I received a, a letter from from. From Henry Waxman and the Congressional Oversight Committee to come out to D.C. and discuss uh, the New York Times article and and how how we landed these contracts and what went wrong and it, it was you know it was time to lawyer up and um, and that is sort of like the the time that real estate was really reintroduced to me because um, after that was all said and done. What year was that? Out. That was around two thousand eight or so. Okay. And and my attorney, so I'd asked my attorney if I could go back into arms dealing after that all had gone down because people came to me and said, hey, we'll financially back you if you can go. Because obviously you can get shit done. Pardon me. But so, right. so I was I was like, I was, I was game. I was ready. And um, I go to my attorney. I say, is there any reason that I can't do it? And he says, there's no legal reason you can't do it. You weren't indicted. And if you went about it and did it kosher and didn't do some of the stuff that, that was done the last time. Um, yeah, sure. You could do it. He's like, but you know, he looks at me and says, you know, you, you, you just paid me a lot of money 
Not as much as he wanted, by the way. The guy was an angel. <laughs> right. Uh, we had just paid a lot of money for a very expensive defense. And uh, he says, you know, and, and to, to show that you're, you're just a nice Jewish kid that got mixed up in the wrong crowd in business. And then you're going to go back and show him what, that you're an arms dealer? He's like, look, this is not a clean business. And he's right. You know, it's, there's no way to spin that. It's, yeah. It can be a very, very dirty and dark business, the, yeah. the world of arms and ammunition and, and, and international warfare. Um, so I said, what the hell else am I going to do? You know, I'm, I'm a high school dropout. Everything I got to do, I got to go start from scratch. You know, I got to go to go get another phone sales job. So he looks right. at me and says, I don't know, you're a night. You, go, go sell real estate. You'll be great at it. <laughs> so, good advice. Uh, so he, he was right, but he, he clearly did not watch the market because I went to open up the door to real estate. It's 2008. And it was like people running for the hills, like the place was on fire. It's a great time um, to And start. so I slammed that door shut. I slammed that yeah. door shut. And I was like, hey, forget, forget that. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, and I went and I got a, a, another call center job. And that's how I got into the moving business. And, that's right and then i worked my way up through the call center until i was managing the like, call center. my attorney has tons of good advice you should have paid that guy more and listened to <laughs> so, him no. so that's that was awesome that. and, then I, and then i found myself yeah. doing in-home estimates for, for 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 larger moves going interstate and and i'm standing there going wow you know i was i was very happy i wasn't working very long days i was working from home at that point i had an apartment in, in well now Sydney. you get to work long days yeah well, it's much it's much longer and harder hours, but but I mean the the opportunity is really there. It's it's incredible what can be done, and and I think I told you I'm I'm, I'm not the number one real estate agent in my market. I didn't make the Wall Street Journal thousand this year, uh, although that's a goal for next year. Yeah. Um, and uh, and as far as I'm concerned, you know, I, I may not yet be the biggest, but I've only got six and change years under my belt here. I, I have a long way ahead of me, and. Um, well, and, and you know, you made me think about something. Ben Bacall, who's been on our show, talks about, you know, number one, not number one, whatever. Whatever you want to do, if you look at the inventory, if you look at the houses out there, if you look at the need for what we do, it's so vast. And there are not many people that have accomplished what you've accomplished in real estate, much less in arms dealing and everything else you've done or vice versa, that you just go out there and apply yourself. And that's why you've been as successful as you've been so far. Uh, but anyway, finish what you were telling us about. Um... Well, I just uh, in the end, it came down to, to yeah. you know, real estate. Real estate was a was very wholesome. In fact, if you think arms dealing is a dirty business, you should look into the moving business because that can be a very, very terrible place. We to don't want to know. I don't want to know. It, it is <laughs> right? not. It is not easy to keep people happy in that business. Um, I found that yeah. real estate is actually the right side of that transaction in that not only in that it pays better, but everybody's happy when they sell a house or buy a house. Like, yeah, we bought a house. We sold our house. It's exactly. great. We got a contract. Everybody's super thrilled. And then you have to move that house. And then you, <laughs> you go, I'm never doing up. this again. Oh yeah. You got to pack it up. You got to uproot. You got to move to a new place. In these cases, a new oh, city man. or a new state. Um, people are, are at their absolute most stressed out time in life. Uh, you know, that divorce and death are, are really like the three hardest times in people's life. And, um, and you're dealing with people at a very, very difficult place and it's, it's logistics. So, uh, you know, things break, like things, get scratched, things get lost, trucks break down. Yeah. Um, you know, again, a lot of problem solving. And, you know, to me, I'm like, if I'm going to go through all that work, you know, I, I, I want it to be a little more wholesome and I want it to pay a little better. And so yeah. real estate provides that. 
That's awesome. So I want to ask you a couple couple of questions, and then we do our final three, as you know, because you're an awesome listener of the show. So a couple of questions was, is what is the thing about, well, I've got three. Number one, what do you think gives you your cutting edge to win business over other real estate agents? Because it is um, a competitive I th- industry. I think it's, I think it's my, my tenacity and my scrappiness. Uh, for me, it's just, uh, just about, about showing, showing my clients that I will go above and beyond that, you know, we're all going to do, we're all going to do the same stuff. If you're interviewing good agents, we're all going to do virtual tours and drone videos and high res photography, and we're all going to advertise on Facebook and put it out on our networks and so on, so on and so forth. Uh, but when the deal time comes and it's time to negotiate and it's time to, to, to take all these 20 different moving, moving parts and, you know, the lenders and the title companies and the inspection reports and the mold and the plumbing and the, and when it, when it's all going south, um, I'm the guy that you want in there fighting for you. I'm that guy. I'm the soldier. I'm the arms dealer. I'm the cold calling badass that's going to come in and get this done. Well said. What makes I love me- that. What are you most excited of or most proud of about your real estate career? You know, most recently that hundred ninety thousand dollar deal that we just did. I know, I love I know it. He just did a seven million dollar deal, but he's proud of the hundred ninety thousand dollar deal. But I get it. Well, it's, awesome. I know it's silly. I know it's silly. It's not by a long shot my my biggest transaction, but um, a lot of people said it wouldn't happen, and and I just wasn't going to accept that. So I'm, I'm I'm I am proud of that because I think even even when you know you can make it happen, some people will put in that work if it was 1.9 or if it was 5 million. Right. But I feel like not a lot of people would have gone the distance for 190,000 and I'm, I'm proud of myself for doing it. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I've already said this, but what you get out of that, what you learn, what you can take forward to other deals that are bigger deals, and they often do bring you bigger deals when you least expect it, is, is, is so valuable. What do you have any kind of a bump in your road of being a real estate agent or glitch or story. And some of it may be that $100,000 deal where things were going south and you were able to come in and a problem that occurred, you were able to step in, shift it, move forward, make it happen. So, I mean, as, as real estate agents, I think uh, what, what most people need maybe don't recognize is that we, we're doing that. I mean, every, day every every day is a new day and we're hitting we're hitting those bumps in the road and we all have peaks and valleys real estate cycles markets shifting uh any kind of small change anywhere really can affect us in a very large way and sometimes we'll go months without a solid payday um and and you know i think every day we're out there sort of fighting the challenge and trying to stay the course and it's easy i mean i went into june with 11 million dollars in contracts and i left june uh, that was down to four and a half. <laughs> you know, right. it was, yeah. um, and that's that's a big blow. And to uh, to be able to like, you know, you have to you have to get back up and 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 sort of again, sort of reset yourself. Here's what say, I love: there's a lot of agents aspiring just to do four million in a year, and you're like, well, I only did four million in June. Like, that's okay. That's not bad. Um, <laughs> You're it's, it was humble. a hard blow, though. It was a hard blow. It, it is. Hard. It's, you know what it is, but I think, like, I don't know about you, and tell me what you think, but for me, it's like, when that happens, because it because that happens and the opposite happens all the time, like, I go in, I'm thinking nothing's, like, things just don't feel like they're coming together, and all of a sudden, things are blowing out of the park and vice versa, but whatever it is, it's like, this is my path, whatever, it, my, my biggest thing is, this is not happening to me, it's happening for me, and for somebody like you, you're making it happen, and me too. But I, I mean, 
but whatever it is outside of my control, it's happening for me because I'm, I've got the ambition, I've got the know-how, I've got, and you definitely have, the problem solving. Like when, when shit hits the fan, sorry everybody who doesn't like it when I cuss, but when it hits the fan, like that's when I like go, oh yeah, I got this. I, I have, like it's, I have time, this it's time to make it happen. I have, right? I have this plaque. I have this plaque on my desk that I keep. It says, every day I'm hustling. And um, and I'm it's, and the it's song. Never my, my, we gotta play the song, except I'm sure we don't have rights to it every day. On my, uh, my wife, my <laughs> wife actually sent me that. I just shows up at the office one day. It doesn't have like a, 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 a it doesn't say who it came from. I'm like, who sent me this thing? Uh, and the next, you know, with that, that night, I went home and she, you know, she said, did you like the, the gift? Oh my gosh. Um, oh my god, I love it's, it. It's a reminder to me that like it's literally every day. You know, today's a great day. Tomorrow might not be. Tomorrow might be the worst day of your career. And the next day the sun comes up again. We're gonna like you just need to stay. So whatever it is, it's happening for you. Good or bad, you think it's bad, but it's good because somebody's got better right. plans in mind for I you love than what you, said you do. It's not happening. Yeah. yeah, it's not happening to you, it's happening for you. I say that uh, every day. I have a meditation thing I do. Six phase meditation, Vishen Nakiani. Every guy I don't mention that one as much as the boss. We'll have to get Vishen we'll have to get Vishen on the show. But he's awesome. But yeah, he does this whole thing, six phase, and the last thing is it's happening for me, not to me. Um, okay, so final three. I got the final three. <clears throat> Number one, in real estate, what have you found other than your cell phone, unless it just has to be that, but it does have to be that. So other than your cell phone, what have you found has been your most powerful tool for this business, technology or otherwise? Um, to me, it's it's always been market market analytics, um, just scrubbing, mm-hmm. scrubbing the data, uh, and and you know we have a lot of cool tech at Compass, but sometimes it's just grassroots. You got to go back in, just deep dive into the property records, and and analyze a market to understand the trends and see where things are, are going. And, and that's at, at the early early stages of 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 my career when I was going after listings, I didn't have very much. I didn't, I couldn't boast about all my record breaking sales or how many houses I've even sold on the way. I hadn't sold a house yet. I'm, and I'm going for those listing appointments because I knew that it was about the listings, not about the buyers. And, you know, you, you get the listing and you control the deal and the buyers will come to you. I know. And, I, uh, you go ahead, keep going. Well, about, but, but, yeah, but go, I didn't have, I didn't have very much, but what I, what I was taught, my friend Manny Chamizo taught me that, that you need to be able to run the numbers. If you can talk the numbers, if you can tell them about their neighborhood, if you know details about why the house down the street is more valuable because they had impact windows, because they just redid their roof, because they didn't have they didn't have cast iron pipes, you know, and, and they had redone their plumbing, which is you know, all these things tell you, and that's why that house sells for more. If you're the doctor, they're not gonna second guess you. And the doctor exactly. knows a shit. And so you exactly. can't get in there and fake your way through it. You know, if you if you just go grassroots learn the data in Miami or Florida, it's all public. You know, there's no privacy here. Um, You can, you can study the market and drive it, kayak it, bike it, walk it, do whatever it is you got to do to really know your neighborhood. And, and then, and then, and then you have more than, there's and that doesn't cost you anything. There's an agent in your market. I'm not going to name him because he hasn't been on the show, but um, I know him pretty well. And he, I think he does at least a couple hundred a year. And when he got into business, his first six months, of having his license, he didn't He didn't even try to sell. He just said, I walked the beaches of Miami and I learned every building and every HOA and every nuance and every square foot price and every amenity. 
And once I learned and knew my market, then when I went out to get business, it was like they, it didn't even matter because I knew so much more than everybody else. I was the obvious, obvious person to work and with. That's, and, that's, and that's free. I mean, it's and you got to look at the properties in person too, not just online, by the way. Which, which yeah, go to the open house. Leonard Steinberg. Yeah, if you did you listen to his interview? The whole thing he went to like was like I don't know like eight houses a day or some some insane number of houses just getting thrown. Yeah, but I think I think a big misconception in real estate when people get in. If I could go back and 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 tell my young self, my you know young, but if I can go back and tell like newbie agent Levy uh, how to how to really stay focused, I'd I'd, I'd focus on on getting my getting my contacts organized because mm -hmm. the, the further down the line you get the harder that becomes you, you go back down and realize like focus in on your contacts clean them up organize them figure out where you have opportunities in there and and learn your market uh, you know it's not new agents are so concerned even even as you get we, we get very focused on on faking it till you make it and playing the role or looking the part and worrying about you know what record-breaking sale you don't you do or don't have when if you know your market like better than anybody else, you know, that's, that's real stuff. And if your client, when your client knows, you know, that, and they need to know you care, which knowing <laughs> that is how you care. Um, it comes across. Okay. Next question. What book would you say, or if you don't read, which if you don't, I recommend you start. You don't read. Not enough. Not enough. Like, because you've been like doing too many arms dealings and other things like that. <laughs> I just, I, I, I've never so made time. For it what? So everyone, like every like one in 20 interviews, we get one of you people. Anyway, so what, I'm, I'm giving you a hard time, but what <laughs> motivational speaker, speaker, influencer, even if it's like Gary Vee or whoever. You know, I would, I would, I would go back and say, look, I, I may not read very much. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I watch a lot of the, the Gary Vee stuff and I'm watching all the, you know, I, I watch all the motivational speakers and, uh, you know, in little. Give us your one, and, which one would you most recommend listening to and taking advice from? You know, I like I like Gary Vee. I think I think some of his some of his stuff's a little over the top. I mean, I, I think you know, not everybody is is made. But if if you and he does say that again, you have to look deep inside yourself and know whether you are or are not an entrepreneur. I love Gary Vee. Gary Vee's not a realtor though. I want to have a talk out with Gary Vee. Unlike dude, like you're awesome, you're awesome, but you're not a realtor. Like he gives realtors advice, dude. That's cute, but. That, that's cool. And I take his advice, by the way, everybody, but I take it in context of what I know about my own industry. And I bet he would tell everybody that. I love the guy. And um, I would love to I, give I will, him more time. I will say that, yeah. um, I will say that there, is, there is a book um, that I read when I was maybe 15, and it's sort of a timeless book. And I, um, and, and I, and I think that I, I took a lot of that at the age of 15. I, I, maybe, I maybe forget how much I absorbed from that, but uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yes. It's a goodie, but a that's a reread. If you haven't read it in a long time, yes. let's go back and do it again. That book comes um, up on the show a lot. And I read it, I read it, I mean, like 20 plus years ago. So, and it's a really good book. It's really huge. And when and, it was written, I mean, one of the biggest, yeah. one of my biggest takeaways from that book was when he, when he says, learn people's names and use them often because people love to hear their name. It's so and Because true. it I feels see, like I, you care about them and you're paying attention to them. It's it, huge. And, 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 and if you, make that effort to remember their name and, 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 and how it's pronounced. I mean, I get a lot of, I get a lot of Levi in my life. Um, and it's not, I don't blame anybody for it. It's spelled L E V I. It sounds, you know, it, uh, it's just pronounced well, Levy. Yeah. It took me a while to remember too, but Hey, it's, but you're not alone. But, but, um, 
but it's it's one of those things and i, I make yeah. i make it a point and i think that just by taking that extra effort to do it um you end up caring a little bit more about that person because you, you're not the action itself it. makes sure you care <laughs> yeah and but, they and they appreciate that and you're able to sort of form that that bond and connection and, and it's something so simple but you know using their name is really and, important. and applying yeah, I'm going to get off on Chris Voss again because I, I enjoy his book so much. But but it <laughs> does a lot of his he, he's well his son's going to be on. Are we releasing him soon? This well, he's going to be released by the time this comes out. But um, I will apply this, guys, because the book. If there's any book you can read, never split the difference will change your life. The book by practicing what it tells you to apply to negotiate. It actually enforces empathy, which actually changes how you look and see situations and, and truly actually engage better to kind of what we're talking about with seven habits and just simple things like remembering people's names. It's, it's you know, like I, I, sometimes I'll go to we walk into a restaurant and try to get a table last minute and they tell you, no, sorry, we're, we're full. It's going to be 45 minutes. You know? But I'll sometimes just pause and I'll look at them and say, like, what's your name? You know, right. like, Jessica, Jessica, can you, is there any way you could try to make it happen? Like, is there, you know, I, I see a little table back there in the corner, like we'll take any table. We're not picky. And it's yeah. like, all right, let me try. And then exactly. You know, like, what did that take? Just caring exactly. for a second. To Engaging just for a second. Just another person. Exactly. Okay. Last question. If there's one thing you would hope we all remember from this interview with you, what would you have that be? About me or just general just message? Just from this interview, away? just general message about... General, take, well, general takeaway is, is, is it is not all glamorous. Um, you know, sometimes the movie that they make about it may be more glamorous. But when you peel away the glamour, uh, really it's about, it's about everyday hustling. It's about uh, keeping your head up, powering through. And, and for me, there's a lot of ups and downs. This has not been the best first half of, of my year. It's not, it's not my record-breaking, you know, first, first two quarters. Um, but I'm I'm powering through. There's a whole second half of the year left, and I'm and you know, like and I'm focused. And I think that that is the takeaway that I, I have from my life, and I hope that people take from me is this: you're gonna have wins, you're gonna have losses, good days and bad days, and you just get back up, stay positive, look forward, and keep moving. Awesome. Thanks for being on the show.